past week, <clears throat> and also um, Wendell uh, down in Cuba. You know, it's hard to imagine uh, that he just goes off on his own and, and goes to places like Cuba and 22 baptisms so far in this campaign that he's involved in, and uh, we're, we're proud of them. You know, I know God has his Hall of Fame of Faith. That, that's what we call it, Hebrews chapter 11. But if I were to have my own, uh, I think Wendell and, and June would be a part of that as well. I'm, I'm proud of them, and uh, they're, they're great examples to the flock here. And they're doing what um, we're trying to, to do and to accomplish as we begin this year with, oh, before I get off into the sermon, let me say, it's great to have some folks. There's about 25 or so people here from Glasgow today. Uh, they, they were at CYC, and uh, I was teaching Bible class this morning. The first one came in, and it was kind of normal. I just like, hey, Brandon, and wait, you're not supposed to be here. But uh, it's good to have them here and uh, some young people here from Glasgow as well and hope they have a safe trip back. If you haven't met them, they're sitting right in this area and uh, they're wearing the Kentucky gear. You'll know them. <laughs> so uh, it's good, good to have everybody here, though. Um, what we are trying to accomplish this year is to get involved in the work of God, to partner with God and allow him to use us in his service. Uh, to be a tool, an instrument in his hand, and uh, to buy up the opportunities that are out there and uh, to, to allow ourselves to be accessible to God. And we've been looking at people in the Bible that are just common, ordinary people so far. The sons of Korah, uh, we, we've talked about uh, uh, Bezalel and Aholiab. You know, th- these are people that we don't remember Micaiah, the prophet, uh, they're people that have gotten lost in the credits. Uh, They're in there, but I don't remember a whole lot about them. But they're in there because of a reason. And, And if you stop and slow down and take a look at their life, they're ordinary people that God used to do great things. And that's where we come into play. Because I don't know, you know, there, there, there's no one that has any kind of national fame in this assembly, I don't think, maybe, but uh, we're, we're kind of ordinary folks. Can God use ordinary people? You, know, you better believe it. He has over and over again. And so let's look at another person that I think has kind of been lost in the credits, and his name is Bartimaeus. Now, Bartimaeus may be a little more familiar to you because he's a New Testament character, and we tend to read the New Testament a little more than we do some of the Old Testament accounts. But Bartimaeus is a man that we read about in Mark chapter 10, and this is the only instance uh, that we read in his life of him having some kind of interaction or encounter with Jesus. There may have been some other things that he did, but God didn't choose to record it. But what we know about Bartimaeus is interesting, and I think there are some points that we can get from it that will challenge me in my life as I leave this building today and go out and live in the world. Well, let's just give a little bit of background before we get into some of the practical lessons about Bartimaeus. He's mentioned, as I said, in this this passage, Mark chapter 10, he was a blind man. And being blind, he was not obviously able to work like everybody else, earn a living. And so he was reduced to sitting along the side of an often traveled road and begged for money. 
Think of the perils of just doing that. Would you want to go out on the side of the road and just sit there with money when you know other people are going to be passing by and all kinds of people will be passing by and they have no scruples and they may just knock you over the head and take your money that you've gotten from other folks. That's the life that he was reduced to. That's what he had to do. And so he was sitting along the side of the road when Jesus was coming out of Jericho. And he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was walking by the way. There was a multitude of people with Jesus. And so apparently he had heard something about Jesus too. He had heard people talking about the the great things that the Christ had been doing. And so he began to cry out in a loud voice, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of David, save me. And he kept yelling and yelling. And well, I guess the folks that were there thought he was annoying. He was a nuisance. And so they kept telling him to hush up. Would you be quiet? Stop. You know, and, but he, he wouldn't. He kept right on going. And then Jesus finally calls to him, heals him, and Bartimaeus follows. Now that's, that's the, uh, the gist of the story. Now what can we learn from that story that has any application to me? I'm not a blind man. I'm not sitting on the side of the road. And Jesus isn't going to walk by as he did back then. So where's the application to my life? Well, here's the first point. He didn't allow his physical infirmity to drive him from God. Have you considered that? What happens when bad things happen to people? I know what happens to a lot of people. They get mad. And they lash out at God. And they'll raise, I literally was in the hospital one time with a woman and she raised her fist to the ceiling and looked up and basically cursed God for what he had brought on her. Is that what we're going to do when bad things come? Will we turn to God and, and, and um, criticize him, be angry with him? In Job chapter 1 and verse 20, Job when all this information comes to him, he is, uh, you know, the, he learns that his sons have died, his daughters have died, his servants have died, he's lost his livelihood, all of his flocks are gone. All of these things have happened to him. And you know what he did? He fell to the ground and worshipped. I can see falling to the ground. The second part kind of surprises me. He worshipped. In the midst of all that trouble, he worshipped God. He wasn't going to let his circumstances in life cause him to lose his faith in God. The Bible tells us also in Job chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, that Job's wife came to him and said, just curse God and die. And he said, well, you're talking like a foolish woman. Uh, How can we receive good at the hands of God? And then when we receive evil, we get mad. He said, "I, I will not curse God. And the text says, in all this, he did not sin by the things that he said. Job is the kind of man that I want to be like, and I hope that we'll all try to be like. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, the Bible says, Paul said, when, you know, 
I take pleasure in infirmities because when they come, when I am my weakest, really that's when I'm the strongest. And listen, isn't it true? Have you had things happen to you that just really rock your world and and you don't know what's going to happen, and it really has you disconcerted, and, and you're afraid of, of the things that might befall you. And so what do you do? You, you pray. You start talking to God. The things that you let get in the way prior, they don't get in the way anymore. You, you begin talking to God. We're stronger when we're the weakest, when we realize we can't do it ourselves, that we're frail and that there's bigger things going on all around us than we can manage on our own, those are the times when we turn to God and say, help me. And uh, that's, that's what we need to have, that kind of an attitude, when bad things happen to us. John 9 and verse 3, there was a blind man, another blind man that Jesus healed. The disciples came to Jesus on that occasion and said, listen, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he'd be born blind? And do you remember the response that Jesus gave? He said, neither. He wasn't born blind because of sin of his or his parents, but maybe it was because the works of God were to be revealed in him. Can people through their hardship be used as a tool, as an instrument in the hand of God? And can that sometimes reach more people than good health and prosperity? When I witness people who suffer in life and who have disadvantages and who have to bear loads that I don't want to bear, but when I see them do that and do it successfully and keep their faith and have the positive outlook that heaven will be their home, man, that, does that not strengthen you? Does that not cause you to bring glory to God? John, this blind man in John, Jesus said he was born blind that God's glory can be seen through him. He can be used as a tool. It wasn't comfortable going through it. It was a hardship. But we're still talking about that man today. Bartimaeus did not allow his situation, his physical infirmities to say, I hate God. I just can't. I'm so angry. Why me? He was still turning his face to God and outreaching to him. A second thing I learned from this is that he didn't care what other people thought either. I think sometimes we get a little too concerned about how other people view us. And so we get a little uh, reserved and we get a little withdrawn and, and we, we think a little more inward. He's crying out. Listen, have you ever been in a crowd of people and then you do something to cause the whole crowd to look at you? There aren't a whole lot of people that want to do that. Now, there are a few extroverts that want to have everybody in the place looking at them. But most of us kind of just want to blend in and not cause any problem. We certainly don't want 400 people, 500 people turning their head and looking at us. I've always felt terrible for mothers when their children get to misbehaving in church. Don't you feel, don't you feel for those ladies? And they're doing the best they can to get that child to be quiet. And, and they're doing everything. And finally it comes to the point where they have to get up. And when they get up, what's everybody do? 
You know, all those eyes, look at them. And you know they have to be dying inside because that's what we do. Here's a man who said, Jesus, did I hear you say Jesus? He's on the road right here near me. And he just started yelling. Yelling over, not just one shout, but over and over again did he yell to the point where they were telling him to be quiet. You're drawing attention to yourself. You're using your religion to draw attention to yourself. Your faith didn't matter to him. He saw something more important than what other people thought. He was concerned about his his uh, situation, and he knew that Jesus could fix it. Nothing was going to stop him. In Acts chapter 4, they arrested or they had told Peter and John to, to be quiet about Jesus. We've heard enough. Don't go out there and start doing what you've been doing. Don't preach. And Peter and John said to those men, we cannot but preach the things that we have seen and heard. We have to. I can't stop talking about this. What, you're going to arrest me? Well, you'll have to arrest me because I cannot keep quiet about this. This is too good. I I can't be quiet. Paul also said in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, that we believe, therefore we speak. I mean, the two go hand in hand. If you believe it, well, how can you not speak it? Steve talked about Jesus this morning on the cross and all the things that he endured. If you believe that, how can you not tell that to somebody else? If you believe there really is a hell, how can you not speak that to those who are headed that way if they don't make changes? He he didn't care what other people thought. He saw and he acted on his faith. He drew attention to himself. But there was something more important than that. All right, well, let's look at a third thing about Bartimaeus. And that is that he acted on his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We have all let things slip by us and slip through our fingers. We've all been guilty of that. Here's a man, a blind man on the side of the road. What are the chances that he'll ever have an encounter with Jesus again? So he takes the most of this opportunity. And again, he starts crying out. And the more he cried out, the more they told him to be quiet. But this is a chance of a lifetime. When else, who else has the ability to heal him, to make him whole, to allow him to be able to see? He can't let that pass by and live with the regrets And, you know, I often think, you know, we sit here and we hear sermon after sermon. How many sermons have you heard in your lifetime? You ever thought about that? How many times have you heard the gospel preached? And maybe there are things that we need to fix, but we don't. We sit there waiting for a better time, a more convenient season, a time when so-and-so's here or so-and-so isn't here. Uh, There are all kind of reasons why we don't respond. But what if it was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? You know, someday we'll attend our very last church service. 
someday we will hear the very last invitation of Jesus Christ that will be given to me. An encouragement to either obey the gospel or to conform my life to his will and to seek his forgiveness for not doing so. That very last opportunity, what, what will my response be? Will I just keep quiet and let it pass me by? Or will I jump on it and say, I need that. I need him. And will we turn to him? Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, now is the appointed time, the Apostle Paul said. Behold, today is the day of salvation. If we need to respond to the gospel, we need to do it today and, and be like Bartimaeus and, and act on your opportunity as you have it. it. This may be your last chance to respond to Jesus today. Someday, God's going to wrap up this whole scene. We're going to be done, and you will hear your last invitation. This could be it. Will you act like Bartimaeus and take advantage of it, buy it up? Or will you let it pass you by and live with regrets throughout all eternity? And then one final point. Bartimaeus followed Jesus. He followed him. He didn't just get what he wanted from Jesus and then go his own way. When, whenever I baptize someone, I, I want to remind them and I try to impress upon them that Jesus is your Savior. Yeah, He can forgive every, everything that you have ever done. He can wash that away, take it away, and He will never remember it anymore. He will never bring that up. Never. You're done. You're clean. Man, what a great promise. But... He's not just going to be your Savior. It's a package deal. He has to also be your Lord. He has to be your Master. He has to control your life from that day forward. The decisions you make need to be based upon how that affects your relationship to Him. And if it adversely affects it, you shouldn't do it. Jesus needs to be your Lord. People who are baptized just to get rid of their past sins but have no intention of living a life with Jesus and letting Him be Lord of their life, that's unacceptable to Him. That's like a person, a lady that always dreamed of being a bride. She just loved, oh, she couldn't wait to the day she got to put on that big, beautiful dress with that long train and, and have that veil and to... To hear that preacher say, you're now husband and wife. She dreamed of that. And so one day she finally found a man and they went through the whole ceremony and they walked back out and all these friends and family are present and they, they're there and just oh, so thrilled with the situation. And when they get to the back of the door, they shake hands and go their separate ways. You ever hear that happening? It's more than just a ceremony, isn't it? There's a commitment involved. It's not just about being pronounced husband and wife. It's about a life that is then to be lived together. And that's the same thing with Jesus. It's not about just getting your sins washed away in baptism. It's about living from that point on a life of committed devotion to Jesus. This blind man 
cries out, causes a fuss, and Jesus calls to him. And the, the text takes the time to say, and he threw aside his garments. I don't know why that's relevant other than the fact that if a guy's in a hurry, that's what you would do. Getting rid of anything that's distracting you. He, he just threw it aside and, and he heads to Jesus. And when he gets there, Jesus says, well, what can I do for you? And he says, I, I want to be able to see. And Jesus says, well, your faith has made you whole. And then Bartimaeus left, having gotten what he wanted. No. The text says Bartimaeus followed Jesus. That's the kind of response we need. I love what Jesus can do for me. But it's not free. There is a responsibility that I have to him to make him my Lord. And I hope that as we look at the life of this man that is often forgotten about, and maybe we don't really see any practical application in our life from his life, because who's blind and who has this encounter with Jesus? Those days are gone. But there is a practical application to that. I want us to be like him in the sense that, well, you know, Bartimaeus was a man who was blind. But he had clear vision when it came to what was really important. Those of us who have clear vision in this temporal world, we may be blind to the things Bartimaeus could see clearly. What is your relationship to Christ? How many opportunities do you expect to have before it's your last? Jesus is inviting you to receive the forgiveness of your sins. And he's inviting you to pick up a cross and to follow him daily. And the rewards, eternity in heaven. Do you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus this morning? If you've not yet been baptized into Christ, make that decision to get rid of all of your sins. They'll never be remembered again. And then make that commitment from this day forward. I will live for him because of what he's done for me. If you haven't done that, we'll assist you in that this morning. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and, and you need to do better, you need to be right with him, this is your opportunity. This is the invitation of Jesus. What if it's your last? Will you reject it? Are you afraid of what other people will think if they see you walk down an aisle? Bartimaeus wasn't afraid. He cried out even when people were opposed to him. He continued to cry out. Listen, no one here is opposed to you. We're on your side. If you respond to Jesus, you won't have anybody cry out in opposition. We'll be for you in that response. If you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.